I just got back a little while ago, about a week ago, from uh, my honeymoon in Las Vegas. And of course, let's, let me ask you this, Jordan. What's, uh, what's your favorite casino game? You know how we love that craps table. I didn't play much craps. I gotta say, I didn't play much craps. I was surprised how much, how little craps I played. I, I loved the game. But I didn't play much craps when I was in Vegas. I'm shocked, man. I thought you'd be hitting up that craps table late night. I gotta tell you, I hit up that roulette table pretty hard. And I just got dusted. Dusted. I think that's a perfect word for it. I think when we talk, when you talk about Vegas and gambling, everyone's getting dusted. This is my experience in Vegas. You know, we, we went, we've been to like Niagara Falls Casino, the Falls View. We've been to Brantford. You're up like 100, 150 bucks. You're probably like walking away from, the, well, you might not, but depends who you are. I'm probably going to walk away from the table. Mm-hmm. In Vegas, like what makes it so hard is you're just, you're going in again. You're like, this, this 150 bucks isn't good enough. Something takes over you in Vegas. And you just, come this, you just become this greedy monster. Well, it's like I always say, Vegas is never built on winners. That's, honestly, that's very accurate. I was disappointed, though, because when I was there, uh, no Vegas Knights game. No, I just no. happened to be on a roadie. They were on a roadie. Um, I think we mentioned in the podcast last time, I got married. March 9th, I got married. Um, went to Vegas the very next day on the Sunday. And from the, the Sunday to the Thursday when I got back, there was no Vegas game. Disappointed. Do you see the arena though? How does that look? I drove by it. I drove by it. There was actually some NCAA basketball going on there, but it looks, it's awesome. It looks yeah. great. We should, we should definitely hit up a Vegas trip with the boys. Well, Vegas is the ultimate boys trip. So now you have even more of a reason to go there, especially imagine a lease roadie. Oh, can you imagine stepping into Las Vegas knowing the Leafs are in town? They're already an incredible road team. They have fans everywhere. But now I, imagine being at that Vegas game. It would get out of control. Out of control. Yeah. The right word to say. So your favorite casino game, craps? Craps. Uh, I'm starting to like the Baccarat, though. Back- I don't know. I have no. Brian, I, I've started to really like it. Never, ever played Baccarat before. Probably one of the easiest games to play, easiest to learn. Um, but uh, you know, there's a reason why they throw it in the back of the casinos and you never see it. So I just the, the reason I we stopped I stopped playing craps is because how ice it's gotten every time we've gone to the casino to play. Yeah, I think that's true for every game we try. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, now We're not now built I'm ice, for you to win. That's now sure. yeah, now I'm ice and roulette. Do you ever hear my strategy in roulette? No, I didn't. I bet all the Leafs numbers. So I go 34, 29, 16. So I go Matthews, mm-hmm. Nylander, uh, Marner. Always. Probably double up on that. Put a couple bucks on it. I play the insides. A couple bucks on each of those okay. numbers. What else do I play? I play 11, Zach Hyman. Not all the time. Hyman once in a while. But I'm always betting 34, 29, and 16. And how many times have you hit? Well, when I went yesterday. If you have. When I went yesterday, um, I got there. I, I, I got screwed on 25 every time I went uh, in, in Vegas. I got screwed on 25 so many times. And I put 
I put a, a couple bucks on 25, hit it. So it's, uh, what, what did I win, like $72? Then hit 16 right after that. So I hit 16, I hit Marner, and I kept, I was like, I was feeling good, right? I'm like, okay, this is 29, 34 is gonna hit. Mm-hmm. Didn't hit, didn't hit. But, you know, w- went to take a walk around, because I, I ended up um, breaking even. The table was kind of going down after I was up a little bit, but I broke even, I left. And, uh, you know, just went, went for a little walk, went to grab a, went to grab like a, a water cause I was thirsty, <clears throat> came back 34 hit twice, 29 hit in the middle. What's well, so usually happens. You usually walk away, especially after being there for a while and your numbers will start hitting. Yeah. It's just the odds of the game. So, so it's safe to say that you're going through a huge chain slump right now. Yeah. Just like the Leafs are. Just like the Leafs are. 34 hasn't hit. The 34 never hit for me in Vegas. 29 never hit for me either. It sounds like the Leafs. It sounds they're not, like they're the not Leafs. hitting either. So yeah, my Vegas experience was like the Leafs right now. <laughs> it's a nice metaphor. It's a the, beautiful uh, metaphor. This team right now. Metaphor. Easy for me to say. Metaphor. Yeah, that, my my roulette experience right now is clearly not working. My strategy's not working. Maybe I should stop betting the Leafs numbers. What number is Noel Achari on Boston? I should start betting his number. No. It's probably like 91. You can't even bet 91. Start de- start uh, betting on pasta. I should start betting Bruins numbers. They seem to not be able to miss right now. The Bruins clinched last night. They clinched last night with a victory. The and Leafs? They're rolling. No pun intended. What's the pun there? That they're rolling like a craft table. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that went right over my head. <laughs> wow. Good one, man. That was really good. There you go. Can be right. sharp on this potty. We got to be sharp on this potty. So we listened back. I, I listened back on our potty from last mm-hmm. week, our podcast. It's pretty good. A couple amateurs sitting around the table. Not bad. Just talking shop. That's what you want on this podcast, right? It's yeah. You guys, you random guys just talking sports. There's a lot to talk about. There's going to be a lot to talk about for at least the next few months. So yeah, For a couple of nobodies talking <coughs> sports, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I'd say so. I'd say so. I, I'd give us a pat on the back. You know what I mean? But hey, we're here again, and we're here to talk about everything. Not everything, but anything Toronto-related, obviously, we're going to start with the Leafs. We're going to add a little bit of NCAA in today, too. A little bit of March Madness, of course. We're going to get to the Raptors. We're going to get to the Jays. We might as well always start with our beloved Maple Leafs. Yeah, there's always a lot to talk about when it comes to these guys. There's so much to start with here. And we're actually going to get our friend Brian Drogeski on the line. Um, couldn't, couldn't make it in with us today. Um, so we're going to call him. We're going to call him just like they do on radio. He's going, to, he's going to give us his opinion. He's going to give us his two cents on the Leafs last night. I might ask him if he's related to the goalie of the Rangers last night. He's got half of his last he's name. got half of his last name. <laughs> so our, you know, the third member of this podcast, Brian Drogeski. Um. You know, if you were watching the game last night, if you know who the Rangers... That's the Rangers' backup, correct? Yep. Alexander Georgiev. Yep. That might be the first question for Brian today. Are you related to Alexander Georgiev? And if you are, can you tell him to stop stoning the Leafs every game? Say after, after these last two games against the Leafs, uh, he's going to want to be related, again, related with them because he's just been absolutely huge against these guys. What does he say, like... 100 shots in the last two games, last two starts against the Leafs. They've had what 50, and they had I think they had 40, 
43 or 45 shots last night on. They had that one game, was it a month and a half ago, in New York York. on a Sunday, and Georgiev was in net, and they they played a really good game but lost 4-1. And then again, last night, just out of this world. Like, he was unbelievable. They had 45 shots last night. 45 shots. Yeah. And it was similar. The game in New York about a month and a half ago was similar, too. They had a... They had quite a few shots. They were controlling play. Same thing. Um, so Alexander Georgiev has the Leafs number right now. And is that a, a sign of just how bad the Leafs are struggling right now? Or is that just saying that they're coming across a goalie who's you know, trying to prove himself uh, on a clearly rebuilding Rangers team? Um, you know, Lundqvist seems like he's in his last few years so is it a, is it a mix of just the Leafs struggling or continuing to struggle or is it uh, d- that they're just coming across a goalie who's just trying everything he can to stay in the league I think the Leafs are struggling right now I mean I think that's obvious but if we look at all their games this week they had Nashville they had Buffalo and on the was that a Tuesday Wednesday it was Tuesday Wednesday and then they had New York if we start with Nashville, I can't, I can't stand the moral victories. I hated that narrative on, um, you know, on the radio and just on, on, on the news, on Twitter that, oh, at least the Leafs played well. At least they didn't let in six goals after that brutal week last week. I, did, I, I didn't like so, that narrative. I don't like moral victories at all. I think it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't like them. So whatever. They, they lost the game. Bottom line, the positive in that game is, is Matthews played pretty well. Buffalo, you saw what happened in Buffalo. Matthews, terrific. Fantastic. What would you think of his game? Um, I thought he, again, he had another fire game against the Sabres. But again, there's a, that whole narrative was the whole, you know, Matthews versus Eichel. You know, the two Americans playing against each other. And the whole narrative was, oh, they, they only get hot when they play each other. Which is fine, but you know where has he been the last two weeks? He he only struggles against you know teams he doesn't have friends against that he's trying to compete with or what? Like, is it struggling or is it not? I mean, we discussed this last pod last podcast. Is it struggling or is it not trying? Because that's what under, that's what we're not understanding about Matthews is why like why. Listen, I'll give him credit. Nashville, he played well. Buffalo, he was the best player on the ice. That's the Matthews you want. Every game. That's the dominant Matthews who you're going to need against Boston in the playoffs. Okay, that's the dominant Matthews that will dictate any playoff success for this team. Um, last night he played well too. He was pretty unlucky. He, he was unlucky. He missed the net. He, he, could have, he could have had four goals in the first period alone. He missed, he missed at least two or three open nets yeah. right in front of the doorstep, and he, he just went wide on every shot. Um, Why? Like, he could I, have four goals. I, I don't know if That was making like, – he actually went wide, like like did not hit the puck properly on a few of those. Yeah. Those, those are automatic the goals. Those they should be automatic. Yeah. So I, I don't know if it's just – and if you notice this, ever since he signed his extension, he started struggling and started – so I, I'm kind of starting to think that the pressure is getting to him a bit. Um, I think that – you know, all the focus at the start of the year was all on Johnny T and, you know, him coming in to help the Leafs. But then once once the contract extension was signed and all the attention just completely shifted to him and Marner um, and, the, you know, living up to these big deals now, I, I think he it, it might have gotten to him a bit. Um, he has been struggling 
and I don't know if it's it may be a lack of lack of effort, but I I think the pressure is starting to get to him. I think now that the training wheels have come off and and you know he's been on the team for a few years, he's signed a big deal. I, I think he's actually starting to feel a bit of pressure from um, maybe not only the the fans, but I, I think management and even Babcock are, are starting to get on him a bit. So I think he's just starting to deal with pressure, and that's just why he's kind of str- you know struggling to to have find find the net and find success. Right, but th- this is nothing. This it's is not even this is not even pressure. They've been coming a comfy playoff spot mm-hmm. for a while, like arguably the whole season. This is nothing. Yeah. Like that's what I don't understand. Like this pressure that we speak of is nothing. Imagine they weren't in a playoff spot. Imagine in about what a month or so, no, maybe yeah, maybe a month or so when the first round is potentially done. Imagine the pressure that's going to be on them the following year if they get dusted against Boston. If they lose against Boston, I don't care if it's in six, seven, five, four. I, I doesn't matter. There's a lot. There is a lot of pressure on them this year, well, and there's going to be a lot of more pressure going forward if they lose. Not only if they lose, if they play, if they keep this up and they play bad, and let's say they get swept against Boston, they're going to get trashed by the media and by the fans. Yeah. Um, you know, you even seen it the other night, even against Ottawa. You saw Dubas's reaction. You think he's feeling the pressure? Oh, he's feeling the yeah. pressure. Hell yeah! That's a that's a really good point. It kind of brings me to something else I wanted to discuss. Was the whole Dubis Babcock conflict? Yeah, great timing. I, I, I'm not sure if this if this is. We we both work in environments where we work with people that are older. Is this just a classic case of Dubis is a young guy in a higher position? And maybe Babcock doesn't feel like he's making the right decisions. So maybe he's, I don't want to say overstepping his boundaries, Mike Babcock, but we know, we know Mike Babcock is very vocal to his GMs. He was very vocal with Ken Holland in Detroit. He's very vocal when it comes to his GMs in terms of what he wants. So is this a combination of Dubis not providing him with what he wants and also Dubis's age? And, you know, like Babcock playing the wisdom card on him that he knows best? It could be it. Um, I also think that their philosophy on the team is clearly different. Um, I think Babcock's sort of vision and philosophy has completely changed, uh, obviously, since he got the job in Toronto. Um Right now, I, I I don't think he expected the team to be that good that quickly. Dubis or Babcock? Babcock. Yeah. You know, when he first started, you know, there's a lot of mention of it's a process and there's going to be pain and, and you know, all this team is clearly rebuilding at that point. And then all of a sudden now they're a third seed in the East within, what, three years? But they I think the playoffs. Yeah. I, I think he's – I think his philosophy is now switched to a win-now philosophy. I think he sees the team – and how, how quickly they've progressed and the big signings that they made with John Tavares. And I think that, you know, he wants to win now. I think he's ready to just push the team to go deep. Um, and I think Dubas has come into this job still thinking that they're in a process of a rebuild. So I think that they're not seeing eye to eye on, you know, where the team is at and where they need to go. So you think, just to clarify... You think Babcock understands now, even though he said there will be pain at the beginning, mm-hmm. you think right now he understands that it could potentially be a win now? 
I believe so. I think he wants to push the team to win now, and I, th- I think he's really pushing Dubis to get the pieces in play to win. But does Dubis believe it's a win now? I don't think he sees that as a win. Now. I don't think so. Either. I also think his his moves indicate that he doesn't. He's not into this whole win now mentality. If he was into a win now mentality, he would have kept Curtis McElhaney. He right. Would, I think he would have kept some of the veteran guys like like a McElhaney. Um I also think that he might have improved the defense. He could have improved the defense. I also think he could have pushed some prospects. And uh, and traded some prospects for some some pieces to maybe maybe even some depth players. Which obviously, if you look at the the trade market for this year, um, and you see all these veteran proven guys go for for nothing, pretty much all these these higher draft picks, um, you know, unproven players, you know, teams that are really pushing to to, to win now as well. I think that. You know, he he wasn't ready, or he's not prepared yet to you know throw all his chips in and um, you know push for a, for a cup run yet. I still think he he wants to hang on to some of these prospects to see how they develop. Um, clearly, he's really hindered by the cap at the moment because you know he still has to sign some big names this off season. Um, so I think Babs is is at the point where he's pushing Dubis to win now, and I think Dubis is pushing back, understanding and knowing where their cap situation is at, and knowing that they're not prepared to go that route yet. What's the smarter angle to take, or what's the smarter direction to take? Because we've criticized Toronto so long for trading away prospects. To add that element to win now. So what what's the smarter direction to take here? Because Dubis is doing everything that we've been asking the Leafs to do forever. Because the Leafs never used to keep prospects; they used to trade them away, pre-cap era. All right. So what, what's this? Like, do you? Maybe my question should be rephrased here. Do you believe in the win now? Like, do you think seriously? Like, this is a, a window the Leafs need to win now. Like, this is their only chance to win a cup is in the next couple of years. Or last year and this year, and yeah, because the contracts are, they're going to start, Matthews, Marner, and Nylander are going to get start getting paid next year. So the window was basically before they got paid. Mm-hmm. Do you believe in that? I think they still have a three to five year window, um, only because they need to lock up, they need to see what the situation is like this year. Yeah. The, like the, the people have analyzed already, this year is a very big off season for the Leafs. Um, they have to lock up Marner, and they're going to do that long term. So he's getting ready to get paid. Um, they have a lot of these uh, entry level contracts coming off the books. Uh, Jake Gardner's free agent. He's going to be looking for money. So I, I think that um, maybe Babcock was maybe pushing to have some deals done at the deadline, but I think Dubis is looking ahead to the free agency in yeah. the offseason this year. Um, I agree, to see though. where this team is going to head for the next three to five years. I agree that this is a very good chance. Like last year and this year was a very good chance for Toronto to win because you're not paying Matthews, Marner, Nylander all that money. I agree with that. I feel like Dubas could have added something at the deadline, a depth defenseman, a couple depth defensemen, nothing crazy. A depth, maybe like a Wayne Simmons. Like we talked about that last show. We saw what you know Nashville gave up for Simmons. It wasn't significant. Um, now, with that being said, I, I don't agree that the window is these two years. I don't believe so. Washington, their window was arguably closed two years ago, apparently. Their window was open for the longest time, and they couldn't win a cup. And then last year, they, they finally you know, 
overcome their obstacles and win a Stanley Cup in a year where no one expected them to win a Stanley Cup. So I, I, I'm not sure where I sit here. I think I, I feel like Dubas could have done a bit more to add this year, but I don't think this is the be-all and end-all. Like, we don't have to win a cup this year. This is not our final chance to win a cup. We can win a cup when, when those guys are making their big contracts. The, cap, the salary cap might go up. Like you said, Gardner's off the books. Who knows what can they, they can do in free agency. I think if we're going to talk about the Leafs' success this year, number one, they need Dermot back. They need, they need Travis Dermot back. I mean, they could use Gardner back too, but I'm not sure where he stands right now. I'm, here, I'm, not, I'm not hearing very good things about his potential on being back. Well, they've both been skating. I think I think Dermot was on the ice. Dermot's probably closer to he, return he, than Dermot's Gardner. a lot closer. I don't think they're going to rush Gardner back. I think they want him ready for the playoffs. So I really don't see, um, I don't really see them or Babcock pushing to have either of those guys back before the end of the season. Uh, maybe you know Dermot, if he's ready, he might play the last few games of the season just to get his legs back, but. Uh, in terms of Gardner or Dermot, I don't, I don't see them being pushed to, to come back anytime soon before the playoffs. But Dermot, I think Dermot will be back in the playoffs. So basically yeah. what I'm saying I is I expect both need, of them to be back. We need him back. We need Dermot back. What we need is for the players that are playing currently right now on the Leafs, what we need is for them to be better because they haven't been that good. They haven't. Well, when you Let's lo- look at some of their stats, mm-hmm. Okay. The, the, the players that like, I'm including Matthews in this too. I'm not going to mention him right now like, in, in these list of players that I'm going to talk about. I'm not going to mention him, but let's just say Matthews and Nylander need to be better. They haven't been, Nylander hasn't been good since he started playing. Uh, I'm not even sure what month it was, December? Uh, yeah, December. Yeah. He hasn't been that good. He's been very inconsistent. He's shown flashes of being you know, the Willie from last year. And Matthews, we've seen the inconsistency in his game. We know he can be better. Marner's been consistent. Tavares has been consistent. Look at these. Uh, look at these stats. Nazem Kadri zero goals in his last eleven games. Mentioned Nylander zero goals in his last twelve. Janssen had a very very good run there for a bit um, with contributing, but he has one in fourteen. Marlowe has one in twelve. Kasperi Kapanen has one in fifteen, which surprises me a lot. And here's the one that really irks me and this guy I, I think we should I don't know we should have traded him at the deadline because he is just not producing Connor Brown one goal in 23 games that's not good that's enough terrible. that's terrible like that, all those stats are terrible th- those stats the names on are that stat. ridiculous mm-hmm. like the ones that really jump up on me or jump um, jump out to me I should say obviously Brown but like what's your expectations of Connor Brown even though it's one in twenty-three and that's horrible, and he's been playing horrible, it's not like you expect him to score twenty goals. No, he's a, he's a fourth liner. Or he's a fourth liner. Kapanen is very that's, concerning that's because he was a really really good player at the beginning of the year. Like I thought he was going to get twenty-five goals, maybe even thirty. Mm-hmm. I think he's stuck on nineteen. One in fifteen. Nylander zero and twelve. Kadri zero and eleven. I know he's been hindered by some concussion, concussions, or a concussion, I should say. So that's maybe brought his game down a little bit but still and then marlo one in 12 you're talking about guys that are playing in your top nine because let's face it, the leafs have a top nine they have great offensive players it's not just a top six it's a top nine those numbers aren't good enough that's not good enough 
That's not going to be the. That's not playoff hockey. That's not playoff hockey. That's not a depth game that Babcock is is preaching. Like you know, he's looking up to the Tampa's and the the Boston's. There, if you look at both of those teams above them, they're just getting consistent scoring from everyone. Consistent play. You know, they're they're running away with the you know the division, the conference, and their playoff spots. So, you know, that just goes to show the the type of the type of team that they're at right now. If you're a playoff team and you expect to do well in the playoffs, you got to be hitting your stride by now, at least within the last two weeks, you have to be playing your best hockey. Yeah. Um, and these guys are clearly, they're, they're letting it slip away. They're, they are letting their season slip away. Um, and you know, they're, they're going to watch they're, they're They haven't clinched the spot yet. There's still seven games left. And you know, if they don't play well and they continue to slump, they're, they're really, they're really going to be in for it once the playoffs begin. We're going to continue the discussion by calling Brian Drzewski and get his take on this because this is clearly not good enough. The Leafs need to be better. Wake up. These players need to wake up. Boston, like that series is going to start. Brian, can you hear me? Hey, now. All right, you're on purposely offside, Brian. Thanks for joining us. Not bad. Thanks for having me. First question. Sure. Are you related to Alexander Georgiev? <laughs> I actually looked that up to see what his background was. Is he Macedonian? Bulgarian. Bulgarian. Oh, he's Bulgarian. Right next door, we're neighbors. Wow. Yeah, I actually had to look that up because he shares pretty much my last name. Mine is the SKI. I was going to ask, like, if you were related to him, can you please stop? Can you tell him to stop stoning the Leafs every game? I was going to shoot him a DM to say, listen, enough with the forty-plus save efforts against us, like. The Rangers are completely garbage this year. They're out of the playoffs. It's enough already. You're not proving anything anymore. It's uh, it's ridiculous. Like he's just he's stoning us. I don't get it. The thing is, one goal against the Rangers. I mean, you need to have a better effort against them. But I mean, it is what it is. But still, remember that it's a little ridiculous Sunday night. That one Sunday night game. Me and Jordan were talking about. He just got the same effort, like 45 saves. Yeah, he's just one of those guys. Just has their number. I don't know what it is. So anyway, we're discussing Leafs. We're, ta- we're, we're kicking it off with some Leafs. We actually started the show off talking about craps. No way. Yeah, I was, I was just telling everyone how I got dusted in Las Vegas at the casino. Yeah, there's a thing about the Vegas craps tables. There's no fire bet, which honestly is one of the main reasons that I actually enjoy playing craps. It's just that, that chance of hitting, you know, four to six, five out of six, six out of six. Yeah. When there's, when there's no fire bet there, you're sort of aimlessly just beginning the, the game. But, yeah. No fire bet? Six out of six. We hit six of the six about five years ago at Brantford Casino, actually. A few of us tossed a couple of bucks on fire bets. This guy rolls in, puts a uh, long like leather jacket over his shoulder, bangs off six straight numbers, and walks out. That's incredible. What a feeling that must have been. And then I, I think I told you before, Jordan and I hit a five. I know. Ridiculous. That was crazy. I actually, I actually rolled it. I know. I remember you saying, we actually, we've been on a couple fours, I think, back in the day. But we don't go enough now, probably for the better, to... Uh, to have better chances of winning six out of six, but it is what it is. I think we should go next week. I'm in. Let's go. We'll podcast and go. <laughs> we'll podcast we'll live, podcast live from the table. And you know what? On behalf of the Jays starting up this Thursday, maybe you can introduce a little R.A. Dicky knuckleball with the uh, with the craps roll. That's the most ice roll on the planet. So, <laughs> anytime I've ever done the R.A. Dicky knuckle roll, I've established a number. And then the first roll after that, I've, I've hit roll seven every single time. <laughs> Let's heat it up. We, we got to start heating it up. We I have know, to heat go. it up. 
You know, we're only going to stay cold unless we play. Exactly. Anyway. You know I, feel right? I feel like Ray Ferraro right now. You I are... feel like it's about 5.07 p.m. right now on like a Monday. Yeah. Ferraro calls in from Vancouver. <laughs> we, uh, we actually tested, like Jordan, we, we were testing how it would sound if we called you. Yeah. It actually sounds exactly how it sounds on the radio. It's hilarious. Really, yeah. Like wait, exactly. wait to wait till you hear yourself on the show right now, and it's just so it's pure radio. I'm on, I'm at the mall right now, so hopefully there's not too much background noise. But you you at Limeridge? Yeah, yeah. What uh, what are you shopping for? I, I honestly again for the second time there's a Matthews guy just in front of me. <laughs> you have to be at least 55, and he's rocking a Matthews jersey. That's the second one you saw today. Second time already, and he's got a Leafs hat on too. Matthews had a good game last night. Yeah, it looks like a knockoff jersey, but I mean, I'll still give him credit for wearing a Matthews jersey. Doesn't matter. Only in Hamilton. You can't get a knock. Who gets a knockoff Matthews jersey? That's disgusting. You know what? I actually have one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or do you now? <laughs> I, I feel like I have an authentic Tavares, so I feel bad. My parents got me. I guess they found this ridiculous deal. It makes sense now online on like a Gigi. They bought me a Matthews jersey. And as soon as I looked at it, I was like, ah. We'll give you, you know what, Brian? We'll give you a pass on that because all your other jerseys are, are authentic. You have the Tavares one, and you also have a signed Cabriolet jersey. You know what? I wear it to, to like real sports or, or other, any other league team, so I know I'm probably going to throw up on it. Yeah. So I leave, I leave my like nice jerseys at home and just wear the knockoff Matthews jersey, and then I don't mind if it's a little dirty. You know what I mean? You just sold the concept of a fake jersey to me. That's actually a great idea. Yeah, it makes sense. Roll up, and then if you spill some cronies on it, it's okay. Hallelujah, brother. Can I throw a few statistics at you? Yeah, it's here. Okay. Uh, these are some players and their stats in, I guess, the last 11 to 23 games. Yeah. Kadri, zero goals in his last 11. Nylander, zero and 12. Yeah. Janssen, one and 14. Marlowe, one and 12. Kapanen, one and 15. Brown, one and 23. Those, those, are, those are goals, obviously. You know, I actually saw that stat this morning, actually, when I was scrolling through Twitter, and it it was a little alarming. Like you, you, we talk about, like, wow, you know, Brown hasn't done anything in a while, or Cabin hasn't done anything in a while. But when you actually see those numbers firsthand, you're like, my God, that's pretty alarming. That's secondary scoring out the window. Out the yeah, that's their top. That's a lot of their top nine, except for Brown. Like that's their top nine. Like just not getting it done. Yeah, which leads me to believe, like, yeah, our top guys are getting it done, but they're still not dominating the games like you expect them to. So I'd be curious to see what our like, you know goals for have been in the last say you know 10 to 12 games like it can't be anything over like two and a half yeah it's something i'd want to look into for next podcast for sure but yeah their scoring has gone down but i think that's attributed to that secondary scoring just it's gone it doesn't exist anymore unless that's through that it's like tampa and boston they've had they've have found that perfect balance of scoring and playing defense the leafs can't find that right now they 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 can't find that at all they're it's either their defense is really horrible and they're seeing a lot of goals or they're not scoring yeah, but the thing that with that is there's seven games left. Does anyone truly think they're going to figure that out within the next seven games? I don't think so. You know what I mean? There's not 41 games left. It's still half a season ago. We're like, okay, we can tinker on things. There's well, seven games left. They're playing their worst hockey this season. Well, they're going to have to or else it's going to be a quick and early exit for them. I mean, the good teams the good teams find ways to bounce back from that, and clearly this team they either don't have it or they haven't learned to yet. I did hear, actually, I think it was on 1050 the other day, they did say that Vegas had the exact same record in the second half of the season as the Leafs do right now. 
leading into the playoffs and they still made it to the cup final. So they were like, yeah, they're not playing the greatest, but Vegas last year was playing similar hockey to the Leafs and still went on the run. So there is a positive angle to look at it. It's that. I mean, yeah, they ended up losing, obviously, but still, it's not the end of the world, but when you look at our first-round matchups, it's like, yeah, it's a little concerning. You know, it, it's already in the Leafs' head. It has to be. It's already in the fans' head. I assume the Leafs would be like, my God, let's play Boston again. They're just going to check us to check us out and we're going to lose. And I think that's the biggest thing, right? It's that matchup against Boston that puts everything on steroids. And it's just not easy. The thing is, even if you do get through Boston, which I think would give the Leafs a lot of confidence, you're playing an arguably you know, well-rested Tampa team who's probably going to sweep or win in five in the first round and be sitting there for a week waiting for us. Did Jordan tell you about his hot take today? He didn't, he didn't, say, uh, he didn't say it yet on radio. I don't even know. I can't even imagine what it is. It's like, Nick, does Nick Patan actually you know, weigh in at like 200 and he's actually 6'5 and the Leafs are lying about it? Is that his hot take today? He's got, you know what, I'm not, we're not going to ruin it now. We're going to keep it uh, for the end of the podcast, but yeah. obviously you're going to listen to it and we'll get your take on it next time you're on. I want your I want your take right now on the Carolina Hurricanes Sully last night. Well, I sent that to you guys in the group. I knew I knew pre, I knew Batagli would love it. I figured Donardo would think it's ridiculous. Disgusting. It's, it it's another sport. You're entertaining with another sport. It's, it's the fact that they my I want to know like the, the behind the scenes, you know, how this actually happened. So, are they thinking pregame listen, let's have a basketball net? Like a garbage basketball that handy right near the rink. So if they do win, we can roll this out, bring a basketball out, and then dunk. They, it was. Uh, they absolutely. Right now. I'm so angry. They absolutely uh, planned it. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know who is in charge of either selecting the the celebrations. I don't know if they either, you know, pick a name out of a hat and they have to come up with one, you know, in advance. But clearly, if you're if you're getting a basketball net out there and you know you have this perfectly choreographed, you know, basketball play, and there's a like a pick and roll move, um, you know, that has to obviously be planned in advance. The last thing I actually just said was, like, I can't handle it. I'm so angry or something along those lines. This lady walks by with her husband. She's like, it's not worth it. Don't be angry. (laughs) 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 No clue what I'm talking about, but she's just, it's not worth it. Don't be angry. (laughs) We should get her take on the Leafs right now. That's right. I almost wanted to give her the phone and be like, what do you think of the Hurricanes? Would that make you angry as well? Oh, that would would be a good take, too, her take on the Hurricanes. She probably doesn't know. She probably had no idea. Ridiculous. But again, does the hot take revolve around the Hurricanes again? No, no. It's it's uh, it's interesting. I'm not sure if you would agree with it or not. Actually, that's the interesting part of it. I'm curious to find out. But Batang, is this a genuine hot take, or is this just you know spitting whatever comes to your? Uh, your There's thought? no. It's no conspiracy like last week. I'm not going. You know, full-fledged Crosby conspiracy again on you. It's actually a, a I see it as a, a realistic take. Do you want to just get into it now, or should we just wait to the end? No, we should wait. We should you plug it for the end. end. Okay. I, uh, it's so relative to this conversation that I almost want to bring it up. Or should we just talk about? Let's let's bring it up now because we can get Brian okay. into the conversation. Okay. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna tell you his hot take. All right. Let's hear it. So my hot take for this body is. Again, revolving around the struggles of the Leafs and the, the you know the playoff run that's uh, going to be ensuing. So, my hot take is that there are seven games left in the NHL regular season. Yeah. The Montreal Canadiens are seven points back of the Leafs for that third seeding. 
My hot take is that the Montreal Canadiens catch the Leafs in the playoff hunt, and the Leafs drop down to a wild card spot by the end of the season. Yeah, I see. It's honestly, it's funny because I was texting, uh, I was texting another like uh, good friend of mine who's usually San Joe, and I said the exact same thing. I'm like, Montreal's catching us. He's like, no, they're not. I'm like, they are. And I think I said this to you guys like maybe a couple weeks ago. I'm like, they're close enough that realistically they go four and zero. We go zero and four. They're past us. You know what I mean? I think I, I don't think they'll catch us. I think the Leafs will go like maybe four and three. Even if they go three and four, like they're not going to catch them at three and four. Yeah, there's still a lot of ground to make up. Yeah, the way the Leafs are playing and that they have their what on a three, maybe four game win streak right now. They're starting to pick up momentum. They're starting to come together. They're you know fighting for their playoff lives. Where we're what fighting for third? Like we're already etched in third place. There's nothing really to play for. Home ice is out of the question. We're obviously not winning the division. So I, I could see something like that. I, I don't think it's. I think yeah, the chances of that are very low. But again, there was a zero point like zero zero two percent chance we were losing Game Seven in twenty thirteen. That still happened too, right? Brian, I was uh, I was asking Jordan after you gave that we were talking a bit before we went on to uh, onto the podcast here. I and I, I rebuttaled with this with his hot take with this uh, with this suggestion or this question: Is dropping down to a wild card really the worst thing? If it's the second wild card. Maybe, because I still think Tampa would rinse us in the first round. And if you look at the Metro right now, I mean, uh, you know, Pittsburgh, Washington, the Islanders are all within a couple points of one another. So it's really, okay, do you want to play Tampa or do you want to play one of those three teams in the first round? Give me the, give me Tampa or the Islanders or Washington. I don't care. Like, I, 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 know, I know I might be crazy thinking this, but... I'm so fed up with the, with the Boston series. Not watching. I think it's always entertaining. I just, the whole mentality about facing Boston, I'm so fed up with it that I'll take a Tampa series because I think the mental aspect isn't there with Tampa. All right. With that rebuttal, did you think of if the Leafs do drop down to a wild card, that means that they're losing at least four, maybe five of the next seven games going to the playoffs. Do you think they're able to just hit that reset button come April 10th and say, okay, let's figure, let's for Let's forget about the, the the terrible run we went on the last eight, you know twenty games. We dropped from second to third to now a wild card. Do you think do you still think they have that confidence going into the playoffs if they drop to a wild card, even if they're playing someone other in Boston? I, I really don't think it could be any worse than what it is right now. Like they're like for me for me this team's confidence is at an all time low. Like, yeah. like 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 you can argue uh, maybe not rock bottom low, but it's pretty low right now. Even though they got a win this week, they still have like. They still lost to another non-playoff team yesterday. That's the thing that bugged me about the game against Bo- or Buffalo. Yeah, they dominated, but Buffalo, like, they're garbage. Like, not, they're not dominating playoff teams right now. They're, they're sometimes dominating non-playoff teams and also losing to non-playoff teams. Uh, like, like, when's the last time we won 6-0, 5-1 against Anaheim? Like, when we got Muzzin? Was that the last time we won a game, like, really, really convincingly? Like, multiple goals? Like, the game was over in the first period? Like, it feels like it's been a while. And it feels like yeah. Tampa and Boston do it every night. It's been a long time since I remember, like, a long stretch of, like, say, two weeks where it was, like, the Leafs are playing solid hockey right now. But I honestly can't remember the last time that I actually had that feeling. We're limping into the playoffs, no doubt. We're limping in, and, yeah, to circle back on that, uh, that take... It, it's possible Montreal passes us again. I'm not sure what their schedule is compared to say what our schedule is in terms of you know the competition. But again, I don't think Montreal cares right now. They're they're locked in. They're dialed in. They they want that playoff spot. 
right now the Leafs are sort of like, yeah, you know what? We we got third locked up. Let's just let's reset on April 10th. I think that's the wrong attitude to have right now. And I don't know if that comes down to coaching. I don't know if that comes down to the players just being lazy right now. I'm, I'm really not sure what it is, but I sure hope they can figure it out within the next couple of weeks. Last uh, last thing we want to go through with you before you uh, get back to your shopping. Do you have a chance to hear about Eugene Melnick's uh, takes this uh, this past week? Yeah, I don't know what to make of that. I, I like, in a way, how he's sort of catering to the Ottawa fan, because that's maybe the one thing that all fans can relate to him with is that they all hate the Leafs. So yeah, he comes out on the Leafs and all Ottawa fans can be like, yeah, we hate Melnick, but we can sympathize or at least agree with him that yeah, the Leafs, we hate the Leafs. So we can chirp the Leafs no matter what. But I think it was a little out of context. He went out of his way to chirp a Leafs rebuild when they're last place. Right. It, it, it just came off as sort of a bushly comment. It but seems yeah, like we're, we're, it seems like everything he's, it seems like everything he's doing is bush league lately. <laughs> Melnick yeah, and the Senators. A lot of people are saying, you know, just stop talking. Like, you know, just stop talking. Like, enough. You know, just get out of the media. Stop saying dumb things. And that's, he just loves that attention. He craves those, those hot takes, but they're just ridiculous. Yeah. I think there's just been a lot of, uh, a lot of bad press around the Sens recently, you know, ever since the trade deadline, all the stuff going on with Pierre Dorian. Um, I, I really just think he's just trying to deflect the attention off of just the, the bad job he's been doing with the team and just trying to, you know, throw the Leafs in, you know, under the bus for, for something just to sort of take some pressure and attention off of just the, the complete dumpster fire that the, the Ottawa Senators are right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't know many, you know, Sense fans that I'm close with that I could actually ask their opinion on, but I don't know if that comment maybe resonated with Sense fans as much as, as much as he maybe hopes. Probably not. It comes across as just disingenuous and sort of like, Mal- Malik, like, shut up. The Leafs are a top, you know, five, top seven team in the league. We're last place without our first round pick this year. Like, there's a time and place to trip the Leafs. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I, 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 I bet you say this 10,000 if they even have that season ticket holders in Ottawa. Don't really hate the Leafs too much when they can upsell the tickets like 350% from what they're actually used to. Uh, paying like ten dollar tickets in Ottawa when the Leafs were there last week are going for like two hundred fifty bucks. Wow, was it a sellout? Was it a sellout on Saturday? It looked I'm like not it. Sure, I don't know. There were a lot of Leaf fans there though, and they can make a lot of money on those tickets. So yeah, you can trip the Leafs as much as you want, yeah. but you love them when they actually come sell your arena. So that's Absolutely. a that's a great 100%. point. That's, that's a, a good point. point. Do you remember a couple of years ago when he sent out a, uh, a letter to his season ticket holders, basically saying like, "Don't sell your tickets to Leafs fans"? Was that was that when they were in the playoffs back in two thousand four or two thousand three? It was it was maybe five, four or five years ago. I'm oh, sure four or five years ago. Days. Okay. But it'd be it'd be curious to see exactly when that was. But he sent out a letter basically saying like, "Listen, like, don't sell your tickets to Leafs fans. Like, we want to keep the tickets in Ottawa." Blah blah blah. I think they tried that for maybe a season and realized that it just wasn't it wasn't working. There's no way to control someone who buys a sense ticket who can then make three hundred dollars on that ticket to at least saying like why would they they're not that proud of the sense, you know what I mean? And I remember, I remember back when they had those playoff series against Ottawa, there was also some like rumblings about um, them not wanting to let Leaf fans in and buy tickets as well. But that's yeah, that's arguably how you sell your arena in those games with those games against Toronto. You sell them out because yeah. uh, Leaf fans are coming to travel and, and see the team. Yeah, it's, he's, a, he's it's a dumpster fire in Ottawa. And I sort of feel bad because I, like, I hate Ottawa, but I don't want to see a Canadian market go through that. 
I almost prefer like Arizona or Carolina or Florida go through something like this. Yeah, I prefer Carolina go through it. <laughs> oh, I hope so. I mean, they're making the playoffs this year, I think, which is I think going to be good for that fan base. But the thing is, they miss the playoffs next year, and no one's going to be there. So yeah. Anyway, I think that's my take on Carolina. I got to stop talking about them because it's firing me up too much. Good stuff, Bry. We will reconvene yeah. next week. No, I appreciate the call. We'll, um, uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Enjoy the rest of the day. Podcasts and uh, craps next week. Get ready. Absolutely. We'll talk to you guys soon, all right? See you, buddy. All right, later, buddy. All right. Some, uh, you know, a good opinion from, uh, from Brian, not related to Alexander Georgiev. The name's so similar. It could be uh, a cousin five times removed. It could be, yeah. That's very possible. The name is so, like, it's... The same, it's up the ski. Like he said, he's missing it. Hungary and, Mas- and Macedonia, he said. That's right. Like, neighboring countries. Interesting. He's, he's got to do, like, an ancestry, Ancestry.com thing on that. That'd be insane. I was just taking a look at the, um, the schedule, going back to our hot take for the last uh, seven games or so for, for both the teams. And, you know, I have to say, I, I, the scheduling definitely favors the Leafs, especially in their next four games or so, but still all opponents that they, they've struggled against this year. Um, so just taking a look at the week ahead, they got Florida. They're at Philly, which is always a tough game in their barn. Uh, at Ottawa again. Then they go back to New York to play the Islanders, which is going to be a very hostile game again. Uh, at home against Carolina and Tampa. And then on the road in Montreal to finish the season, which could be an extremely, extremely pivotal game for yeah. both teams to finish off the season. Imagine coming down to a situation where the Habs need to win. That'd be a fantastic game could to watch. That, could that be that thing, that spark for the Maple Leafs? Let's say they have the opportunity on the last night to knock out the Montreal Canadiens and they win that game convincingly. Is that a spark? It, Is that, would very that well be, could be. Could that be a spark? Yeah. That could be a potential spark. Yeah. I think so. I think in these seven games, like you guys mentioned that it's going to be hard to change things in seven games, 100%, because they've been, on, you know, they've been having some pretty you know, recent struggles. Actually, I shouldn't even say recent. Some pretty consistent struggles mm-hmm. throughout the season, especially with defense. I think in these seven games, clearly not much is going to not much is going to change. They are a possession-based team who focus on skill. They don't focus on body contact. They don't focus on hitting. In these seven games, let's focus on developing some characters, developing some character wins, character scenarios. Let's get let's let's stick up for uh, a teammate. Let's Let's dust a team like Montreal 6-1. Like, let's look for these little victories, little moral victories in these seven games that could get us mentally prepared for the Bruins. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, let's, let, let's do that. Although you're not going to change your entire structure of your team in seven games, let's look for little things to build off of. And I think something like that, like a good victory against Montreal, maybe even stringing, string in a couple 3-4-1 victories, mm-hmm. all right, where you're limiting teams to like one two goals or below one or two goals that's something to build off let's let's try that i think that'll help that might change the psyche and the mental aspect of this yep. team going into a series against the bruins and i think you're right i think the team is has sat in this position you know pretty much the entire season and they they've kind of just sort of lost you know that that edge they lost that drive to compete just because they have been sitting you know they've been pretty cushy in that third spot pretty much the entire season so i think you know, nearing the end of the season, you know, teams are trying to uh, trying to catch them and are going to be within 
you know, that distance now to catch them. So I think that they're going to feel that pressure. It's going it, to, if it hasn't started already, it's going to start within the next few games, especially if uh, Montreal does keep winning. Um, you know, they are, they are going to feel that edge and, you know, a good team will respond to that. And I think, I think the last three games, I think those games in April leading up to that potentially, you know, pivotal last game against Montreal, I, I think they are going to have to get that fire back in order for them to, you know, potentially make the playoffs, yeah. you know, who knows, or, or clinch a, clinch that third spot against Boston. Um, and, you know, like going back to your point, I think it, it very well could, you know, light a fire under their ass to, to actually start playing well. And it could, it could definitely benefit them, um, you know, moving forward and going into the playoffs. So. I think that's all we can ask in these last seven games yeah. is looking for these, looking for some situations, some sort of in-game moral victories or just, just little small victories that could spark this team. I think that's what they really need. If we can agree on anything, I think we can, we can agree on this. At least they have faced some adversity. Yep. Like Tampa's arguably faced no adversity this season. Besides, uh, they have an injury. Did Kucherov, not Kucherov, did um, Vasilevsky go down this year? I can't remember. Yeah, they, they, had, they had a string of injuries. They had a string of injuries. Vas- Vas- Vasilevsky was, was hurt for a bit, but that was early on in the season. Yeah. Uh, they were still rolling even with, with uh, I think they had Domingue in net, and they were still Domingue, that's right. They, yeah, were, so they, they, were, still, they were still was, rolling. But. Yeah, he was hurt. So that was their only adversity. Other than that, they've been sitting pretty at the top of the Eastern Conference. Boston was, was a team that was... Uh, was was hurt quite a bit. They they still have a few of their big guys left, but they you know they obviously still yeah. have that veteran veteran core, um, their veteran leadership, and and you know they're they're just one of those teams that are, are obviously going to be considered a contender. You know every year that they have Bergeron and and Marchand, that's for sure. And Boston's Boston. Right? Yeah. Boston's Boston. Boston is Boston. Boston is Boston. How do we easily transition into the Toronto Raptors? Well, I think we just have to continue on with the playoff talk. I mean, you're talking about the the Leafs and their struggles, but then we also need to talk about that other big team in in Toronto as well, and that's you know the the Raptors who are facing again a very pivotal uh, playoff scenario in terms of you know having Kawhi Leonard um, having this opportunity to not only win a series or win a few series, but to actually contend to make the NBA finals, which is something that has never been uttered um, in this, with this franchise, with this city. But now they, they actually have to realize that this is a very good opportunity and a very big opportunity for this franchise to, to take a massive step and actually reach the finals. I'm, um, I'm super excited for April because I mean, it's that time of year when there's just all types of sports on the Jays are starting mm-hmm significant meaningful hockey games significant meaningful basketball games all right and yeah we talk a lot about the leafs the playoff games coming up the raptors are going to be interesting to watch too there's a lot to this is a big i would say this is a big april for toronto sports in general it's definitely one of the biggest that we've seen in one of the biggest one of the biggest but over the past we've learned that when toronto gets on this stage we often see a big free fall do you remember last year when the Leafs had Game 7 against Boston? Mm-hmm. And the same night, I think Toronto FC was playing like their... It was a Champions League Champions final. League final game. They both lost. Yeah, it was a, that was a incredibly depressing. Night. It seemed That's like, sure. it seems like every time they get up there, it's, they, they just can't deliver and get it done. Didn't the Raptors... 
weren't they eliminated by uh, the Cavs last year? They the were eliminated in the Cavs. The yeah. same night. Yes. Not the same. The was same the same, night, same night? week. I think they lost like game three that. No, maybe it was that night. We have to look, look back on that and check. But same thing. Raptors, they won. Um, did they win the first series? Yeah, they won the first series. They won the first round. And then they go on and lose 4-0 to Cleveland. Indiana? I can't remember exactly who they, who they beat. You might have to look that up, too. It might be the Bucks. Maybe the yeah, Bucks. It was Milwaukee. Was it, yeah, it was the Bucks. Yeah. So they beat the Bucks, and then they go 4-0 out against the Cavs. So I feel, I feel like this year, um, there's a lot going on in Toronto. There's, a, there's, there's obviously the Leafs, okay, but then there's the Raptors, the other team in Toronto. Right. The other team that could potentially do a lot of damage in the playoffs if everything goes right. What's your expectations for the Raptors? Clearly, you think they should be able to make it to the NBA Finals? Yeah, I, I think that's the expectation for all Raptors fans. You have Kawhi Leonard. This, this, is the, this is the guy you dumped the farm for and you dumped your franchise player for. Um, he's potentially leaving this year if they don't play well and they don't go deep. So he's obviously got huge expectations for this team. And I, I think it's winner go. I think it's all or nothing this year. They, they, they is, have yeah, to go to the finals. all or nothing. And they got to compete. Um, you know, looking at the West, Golden State's been struggling Big time lately. They have a lot of rift in that, a lot of rifts in that locker room. So the, you know, going into the season, everybody thought it was going to be a lock that Golden State would be in the finals again, uh, potential three peat. And now it's it's pretty much anyone's game in the, in the West. It's pretty much up for grabs for anybody in the league. Right. Um, you know, Houston's jumped in to be a favorite. Uh, everybody thought the Celtics would be the team to beat in the East, and then the Bucks just came out came out of nowhere and just took hold of the East. So I think the, these, these playoffs are going to be very interesting. There's there's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot closer than people you know thought at the beginning of the year. Um, I really do think it's anyone's anyone's game in in both conferences. No no one's a clear favorite. Raptors at home against the Charlotte Hornets, uh, six o'clock start. Unsure. I'm not sure if it's a load management game for Kawhi. I remember we had a big talk about load management last week, but I'm not sure if it's a load management game for him. It's sound, a Sunday game against Charlotte usually probably sounds like a load management game for Kawhi. But um, Nick Nurse came up today and said the East, East top seeds don't have much relevance to the Raptors. So, for example, the top seeds in the East, don't have much relevance. So basically, they don't care who they play, I guess. They don't care who they're going to match up against in the first round. Right now, it's looking like Brooklyn. And if they beat Brooklyn, they'll have to match up against this top seed, the Philadelphia 76ers. How do you feel about a matchup, a potential second-round matchup? It's tough to like look ahead, but I think in basketball you can more so predict that the Raptors might get out of that first-round series. I'm not saying they're going to because anything can happen, but that's that's the way their path looks because we're saying NBA Finals. That's my expectation. I expect the Raptors to make the NBA Finals. They have Kawhi Leonard. They have Kawhi Leonard. They have that superstar. Um, what do you think about a match against the a series? match against the 76ers 
Uh, I think it'd be a fantastic series because they again they do have that history. Um, you going back to the Vince Carter days when they when they played them earlier on in the early two thousands. Um, you know, like going back to what I said in the beginning, the, there's no easy matchup the way you look at it. I, I think Nick Nurse. You're right. After looks, the first round, there's no easy matchup. There's no easy matchup even in the first round. Yeah, every Brooklyn's series, not bad. Every series in the playoffs is going to be close. If you make the playoffs, and no matter what sport it is, you are a contender to win. Um, you're a contender to go and win it all. I mean, all the teams that are in the East are, are very evenly matched. There, there's no clear-cut favorite. Maybe Milwaukee against the, the Heat. But I, you, you can't know what? live you're in the playoffs totally expecting right. to yeah, win. You, you're totally you can always right. expect to get upset at any time. So the East is really capable. intriguing without LeBron. Because I think you're right. Anybody can win. I, I, I might have made an error there. I might have made an error showing some disrespect to Brooklyn right there. Because Brooklyn can win against the Raptors. They might, they're, they're a pretty decent team. They're a they good seven seed. They, they have beat them in the past. They beat them this year. D'Angelo Russell, mm-hmm. potential comeback player of the year, or most improved player of the year, as they call it in the NBA, up against his rival for the most improved player of the year, Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam. I'm concerned with the Raptors' death, depth, but I'm very comfortable knowing that Pascal Siakam has developed into a very, very good player. He's he's one of those guys that surprised everybody. Like I said, this is a guy that you know started playing basketball. But thank late. goodness. But thank, thank goodness. He but thank goodness he's play. showing these signs of being this good he's, he's because Kyle, we don't know what Kyle Lowry is going to be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. We don't even know he's going to play another game until the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to they'll rest him. Until probably rest him. Probably load management until the end of the year. But again, in a seven game series, you're playing every other night. We don't know how that back's going to act up. Pascal Siakam is almost like this insurance policy for the Raptors. Like, thank goodness he's showing these kind of signs of being this kind of player. He's showing star-like stuff right now. Great, 33 points against OKC on Thursday. Was it Thursday night? Right? Wednesday or Thursday night. Thank goodness. Because I don't know what Lowry is going to be able to provide in the playoffs considering his health right now. And... I say that, but at the same time, we do need a good. We need a point guard. We need a point. We need We need Kyle Lowry. But if Siakam can step up like that and play like that, the way he has all year, the way he did against OKC the other night, when when the Raptors beat OKC on the road in overtime, that's a good sign for the Raptors because that's two. I mean, you switch to a what a, a seven man system in the, in, in the playoffs, seven to yeah, eight man the, system. The, the bench will the bench will get the bench will shorten. Right, you throw Kawhi with Pascal, arrested Kawhi, with the whole load management. We'll see what happens, but we do need I, we we still need someone to play the point position effectively. And who knows if that's going to be uh, Fred VanVleet? Look, he's looked pretty good since coming back from injury. But we'll see. But thank goodness that Pascal Siakam is what he is right now. Well, the difference between the Raptors of this year and in prior years is that they don't they're they're not going into the playoffs relying on. Kyle or DeMar to, to step up and carry the team. In prior years, it, it was always the same narrative. If they don't play well, they lose. When they play well and they're on their game, the, they're, oh, they always win. They're always on fire. This year is going to be different. They're, you're going to see different matchups. You're going to see different, you know, you might see a different starting, you know, starting lineup every game, depending on who they play in the matchups. So I think Nurse is going to, you know, tinker with that lineup and play a, play a matchup game. Um, and they're not going to need to rely on 
you know, Lowry to, to come in and, and shoot well because they have that depth. You know, they, that's why they got Danny Green and Kawhi. And Siakam's going to be a, a play a huge role going into the playoffs is because they 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 have that depth and they can they they have the confidence that they can toss in any of those guys in there and expect them to to not only carry the team but to play well as a team and not right. just a few individuals. So I think if they if they play it like they have all year and they play that team game. And you know they spread the ball around, and all these all these guys who they're relying on all play well. I think they're going to go deep. They should. They should go they deep. Should. I like I they're said, I'm expecting to. the finals. Mm-hmm. I think that they should be able to beat the 76ers. Although the 76ers look really, really good, I think they should be able to beat the Milwaukee Bucks. It's now or never. It's now or never for the Raptors. They need to win. They need to make it to the finals. This is the year. I truly believe that. Now, will they do it? We don't know. But we'll have to stay tuned. That's what makes April such a great month. Yeah. With all these stories around the Leafs, you know, facing Boston, all this pressure around Toronto. We'll see. Like this is a this is a big, big April, big spring for Toronto sports. Like it's huge. There's so much pressure on both these Toronto teams. And I just think that there's so much pressure because they've never they've never gotten to a point where um, they've had two teams. Uh, this successful or this star-studded. So yeah. I think this is this is we're reaching a point in Toronto sports where they're at their highest. I want to say their highest for the Leafs, but definitely in the Raptors' history, th- this is the most star-studded team they might have had. You get the you got your you got your guy, you got your your stud player in Kawhi. It's now you know now or never for these guys. And I think what what you said, like I think what makes this a star-studded team is because finally. Since Vince Carter, maybe you can argue, we have that guy in Kawhi Leonard. We have that guy now. We never had that guy before. DeMar DeRozan wasn't considered that guy, that superstar. Kawhi Leonard is. We'll see what happens. He said, he even said it himself, he, he feels that he has another gear that he can hit. And I, I'm very excited I'm, to see I'm what I'm excited this is. to see that other gear. Does he go back to you know NBA Finals MVP Kawhi? He, if he feels like he can, then there's no, you know, there may not be a stopping these guys. And it's exciting because Kawhi Leonard is not just an offensive star. He's known for his defense. Like that's how, that's how he developed as a player in his early years and into, into college. He was known for his defensive abilities. And now, you know, building on his offensive skills, he's turned into the player he is today. He's well-rounded. So that's important too. Is that defense? We we have a star who, who is, um, who takes defense very very seriously, and that's what obviously Demar Derozan didn't do in the past. He wasn't that defensive player. Now, if only we could put some skates on Kawhi and have him play defense for the Leafs. That'd yeah, be a different, that'd be good. That'd be that. all right. I'm just going back to uh, our, our talk on that that star-studded night. In, in Toronto, where all the the teams are playing an important game, so I found the actual, um, I found an actual tweet about the about that night. So, if you look at the lineup for that night, I believe it was. Is this the Leafs lineup or the? This Raptors is the lineup? Toronto that huge Toronto sports. Oh, the lineup, lineup the, the 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 sports lineup. Okay, so yeah. who was playing exactly? So that was a great. Like that was arguably one of the greatest nights, or could have been one of the greatest nights in Toronto history. 
It was also one of the most depressing nights. Well, it ended up, it ended up being the most depressive, depressing night in Toronto sports history, arguably. But it had a lot of potential. The Jays were playing that night too, correct? So the lineup for that night was Leafs, Bruins, Game 7, TFC against Chivas for the Champions League final. Right. The Raptors were playing the Wizards, not the Cats, oh, Game 5. Last year in the playoffs, sorry, last year in the playoffs, they faced the Wizards first round. Yes. Okay, not the Bucks. And it was the Blue Jays. Bucks was the year before. Yeah, and it was the Blue Jays against the Red Sox. And the only team to win that night was the Raptors, I believe. The Raptors beat the, beat the Wizards that night. I believe so. I think. I'm going to check. Yeah. And we all know what happened with the Leafs. 4-3 lead going into the final period. They lose. Uh, Chivas beat TFC in a shootout. Yep. And I'm just going to assume the Jays lost against the Red Sox because the Red Sox were unbelievable last year, beat everybody, won the World Series. And the Red Sox were incredible. Mm-hmm. Jays weren't so good. Yeah, the Bruins obviously won Game 7. Uh, the Raps beat the Wizards. They went up 3-2 because, remember, that was, a, that was a huge game because it was tied. TFC lost in penalties. And, yeah, the Jays lost to the Red Sox. What a brutal night. I remember sitting at home and channel surfing that night because all the games were on at different times and, you know, it was just like cascading one after another. just heartbreak after heartbreak. And um, I was so pissed off that night. I was mad for days. Do you remember me going off in our Leafs group, our WhatsApp Leafs group? I was going off. I was sounding off on Toronto. The Leafs, I should say, mostly. But I was so mad that night. I couldn't sleep. Mm Mm-hmm. Woke up the next morning in a brutal mood. I, I hate how sports dictates my mood sometimes. That's I hate it. That's why we love it. You got such a love-hate relationship with these with these teams. You know, people. You know, if you're a sports fan, you know, if you're in another market other than Toronto, or I guess maybe the other markets like New York or, or Boston or LA, like th- those are pretty much the only other cities or sports cities where you know you've shared the same struggle because it's not only just for one team, it's for every team that you, you know, you support, you, you, you grow up, um, with, with such strong feelings towards these teams that they become, you know, a part of your life that, you know, they actually, they are, they are becoming a part of your life. So it's, it's just one of the struggles and, 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 you know, joy of being, uh, you know, such a fan in, in, in these sports cities is that they're, you know, they are your life. So just, it just shows how, how big the culture is with all these teams. You mentioned L.A. Mm-hmm. L.A. must be going through. They must be pulling out their hair this year with the Lakers. Lakers officially eliminated from the playoffs. LeBron James officially eliminated from the playoffs this week for the first time in 2005. What were you doing in 2005? That's the last time a LeBron James team hasn't made the playoffs. I think we were also dealing with a NHL lockout that year. <laughs> 15 years old. I was 15 years old in 2005, right? 15 years old, still working at No Frills. I was probably working on some high school assignment. I don't even think I started at No Frills yet. I think I started at No Frills in 2006. Yeah. 2005 just, is the last time LeBron James did not make the playoffs. He's missing insane. the playoffs this year. That's, that's insane. And what he was in the, what, the last... Six, 
six straight six finals. or seven finals. Six or seven finals. I'm actually I'm actually very happy that he is not in the playoffs this year. I'm really excited to see a new face or a new team. Where you know, you're not going to get that. You're not going to get a new face because the Golden State Warriors are just going to win the that's championship. Not that's a new. That's that's not a new face. That's not a guarantee. But what I was hoping was that LeBron would challenge that face in the Golden State Warriors. I had this big perception, and I was so excited for the Lakers this year. And I, I'm not a, I'm not a Lakers fan by any means. I'm not a LeBron super fan by any means. I was hoping that LeBron James would be that guy that can contest the Golden State Warriors. But I guess what we didn't realize is you can't just slap a bunch of players with LeBron James. Because that's pretty much what the Lakers did. That's what Magic Johnson did. He slapped a bunch of players with LeBron James, and it's been a disaster. Well, they were trying to they were trying to contend and trying to compete by trying to bring in Anthony Davis, but uh, the New Orleans owner or, or management nixed that trade and just refused to deal him. Now, were, I think that made everything worse. Oh, in LA, once that between once the players the, and LeBron, once that deadline, you know, came and went and. Um, you know, they weren't budging on any Anthony Davis trade or anything. You know, it just completely, you know, that whole team just completely went downhill. You can tell as soon as that trade went, LeBron was a different player. He ended up getting hurt. You know, you could, you could clearly see his frustration and, and the team's frustration on the sideline of every game. He, you know, once, once that came and went, he was just done. You could tell that season was over and he wasn't happy with uh, – any trade decisions or, or even just how the team is performing. But it, again, going back to him, I, I think is a very selfish play on his part. Um, he clearly showed absolutely no leadership or no mentoring uh, of, of any of these players he played with. If you want to compete against Golden State and you want to build a team, you got to build the players around you to be better. Yeah. You can't just come in and say, oh, I don't like this team. Let's just trade everybody away and get the players that I want. It doesn't. It doesn't happen, and and teams are aware of that now. The, the, the you know LeBron's already done this many times where he's just stepped in and just said I want I want who I want, uh, or else I'm not happy. You know he's becoming just a huge prima donna, and and I you're really seeing a side of LeBron that I think players the players have seen in the past behind the scenes, and I think the the fans um, they're just coming around to knowing just this is the LeBron James that you know is not a leader. It's not about basketball for LeBron James. It's about anymore. building his brand. It's probably more for his son being in LA because I heard he's playing uh, high school in, in uh, California. It's not about the basketball probably for LeBron anymore. But he's provided so much to the game. Like he's... I can't really criticize a guy that's been in seven straight finals and been, has been in the playoffs since 2005. Mm-hmm. But what I will say is that I think he felt... Maybe deep inside he didn't feel this, but on the outside he was he was definitely saying this and and um, indicating this that the Lakers he's going to get into playoff mode and just turn it on, and that hasn't been the case. He hasn't been able to turn it on, not with that team. So that, that says something. Like you, it's hard to just turn it on when you want to. You got to be consistent throughout the year. Like you have to you have to be able to build a winning culture. And he went into a place in L.A. who hasn't had a winning culture in quite a while. And he struggled, and the team struggled. It was – do you remember, like, I'm not sure if you saw the videos of Lance Stevenson before the season, but he was just posting on on Instagram, just so excited. He'd post every day of him dancing with his tarp off and just, like, so excited to play with LeBron James because he probably thought he was going to a finals. 
Yeah, he's going to be missing the playoffs this year. Indiana's going to be in the playoffs, though. I was actually looking also on my um, phone right now. If there was any chance that the Lakers could tank for Zion, there's no chance they're going to be worse than the Phoenix Suns or the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks are 14 and 59. They're horrible. They're terrible. So I was thinking, like, maybe they can potentially lose out for Zion or RJ Barrett top two picks in the draft this year in the NBA there's no way they're going to be there's no way they're going to be worse than Phoenix or the New York Knicks Lakers are 31 and 41 11th place in the Eastern in the Western Conference the Suns are 17 and 57 brutal last place in the West the Knicks are obviously even more obviously even more brutal 14 and 59 in the East so one of those teams are going to get a shot at these two college studs that we've been watching this week in NCAA in the March Madness tournament. And I don't think any of the, either of those teams would even entertain trading away those lottery picks, especially the Lakers. Yeah. So it continues to look bleak for the Lakers. They might even trade LeBron James. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with that? That would be insane. That might, there was talks that could happen. To, to hear that the, the Lakers entertained a LeBron yeah. James trade right. is crazy. Who would have thought? Who would have thought LeBron James would have got traded from LA? That'd be almost as big as Gretzky, right? When it, I think that Gretzky proved that anybody can be traded, right? Yeah. If Gretzky was traded, anybody can be traded. I think that's the biggest thing we got from the Gretzky trade. Anybody can be traded. So I found that very interesting that that they were considering trading LeBron too. It's just so uncharacteristic because you would have never thought it would come to that. Mm-hmm. You never thought it would got it would get that bad. Um, so yeah, no chance for the Lakers to get Zion and RJ, or, or RJ. You watched a lot of Duke so far in the tournament. In the I have your bracket I, broken yet? My back, my bracket was broken. The very first game, I had Louisville um, I had winning them, it all. No, not Louis, not winning them all. I had them winning uh, a couple games, but. You know, anytime you, you go in and you're, you know, the first game, your bracket gets busted, it's not a good start. But I, I haven't watched too much of it yet. Um, I like just seeing how my brackets progress. I like that there's a lot of, uh, uh, it seems like there's a lot of parity in the, the, you know, there's a lot of teams that aren't really, you know, coming out runaway. Duke, Duke you know, Duke is, is, was a, a favorite ever since, and I still think they are. But, um, you know, we've already seen, you know, high seed upsets already. There, there's, yeah. there's already a few. You see Irvin. You see Irvin with the upset. They actually play tonight. The Anteaters. I think Brian took the Anteaters. The U C Irvin Anteaters. What a name! Like that's that's got a rank on top names. You know what we should do next uh, next show? Look at the top college like, names, like in terms of their nicknames for their colleges, like what they are, like. You know, the uh, Kansas Jayhawks, right? The UC Irvin Anteaters. They play Oregon tonight. They play Oregon tonight. And that's a good match. 13 versus 12. UC Irvin might win. I wanted to take UC Irvin so bad, and I didn't do it. I wanted to squeeze in Nevada in my pool, and I took them, and they kind of screwed me. I didn't actually, I didn't do a bracket. I didn't do a bracket this year. I just did McGo's pool. The Richard McGo's pool. Right? Richie. It's tough, tough pool, man. I don't know. I've never met Richie. This is just someone like he's just someone who runs a pool uh, for NCAA. But if you're listening, thanks for running the pool, man. 
I, I like the format of the pool we're in. So it's, it's not just yeah you don't you don't pick your bracket. What you have to do in this pool is you have to pick eight teams who seed total up to thirty. So I picked if I can just pull up my picks here. Um, I picked Villanova who you know messed my no, messed my pick up last night. They they I might be out because Villanova just lost. Mm-hmm. Kansas lost last night. So Villanova was a six seed. They got me six points from winning in the first round, but now they're out. So I can't I can't accumulate that six points anymore. Kansas out. Duke's still in. They'll probably win tonight. Nevada lost seven points because they're a seven seed. They could have got me seven points in the first round, but they lost. LSU got me six points. They got a first round win and a second round win. They're seed three. Marquette really screwed me as well. North Carolina will probably win tonight. I think Houston won their first game as well so interesting pool i like the pool gets me really engaged in the tournament it's just so hard to pick those seven eight five five six seven eight seeds that you think might get victories and and try to go deep into the tournament it's really hard predicting that but march madness is uh it's just one of those things it's an incredibly difficult tournament to win um it's incredibly exciting. I don't know what it is about college sports, but even going to college football as well and and their new playoff format, just college sports is just incredibly exciting. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just the fact that there are these, these you know, young kids just trying to prove themselves, trying to get drafted, trying to make some money because, again, they don't get paid, which is another talk. Um, but college sports, just when it comes to the playoffs and it comes to these big tournaments, it's just, it's just something that... You know the fans just can't get enough of. No matter if you've you've watched one game or haven't watched it at all, or, yeah. or diehard fan of a, a certain school, it's just you know you just get locked into it. Very there's quickly. a there's a sense of unpredictability to it yeah. compared to the professional sports. That's what makes it really interesting. They're also extremely under. I mean, they're not paid at all. I shouldn't even say extremely underpaid. They're not paid at all. Nineteen point six billion, I think, is what these rights are worth. That's crazy. And these players don't get don't get paid anything. Um, go Anteaters! I'm rooting for the Anteaters tonight. You see, Irvin Anteaters, University of California Anteaters. I'm rooting for you. You know why? I first of all, I like your name, I like the name, the Anteaters. Um, I don't think it's an it's an intimidating nickname, but I, I think it's hilarious. It's very very non aggressive. I think it's hilarious. I think it's hilarious. Um, so go Ant go Anteaters. I should have picked you in my pool. I didn't. And now you're sticking it to me. Good for you. You don't want to see Duke win at all? Um, who do you, who do you, now that you know our, our pools aren't, you know, we're not close in any Duke. of them. Yeah. You said you didn't do a bracket, but I picked Duke. Who do you like pool, so yeah. far from the games you watch? Who do you think is going to win? I, Duke's amazing. Like it's going to be tough to beat them. North Carolina looked okay, um, and I really like Houston. I have this thing about Houston. Watch their game. Really like the way they play. I have a feeling Houston's going to go far, too. So I like Houston. And Michigan State and Michigan both look fantastic. Yeah, they too. do. They look really, they're, really they, good. They've won their games easily. I mean, Michigan, Michigan's just torched yeah. both the teams they're that they played against. They're really, really good. Yeah, both of those well clubs. Coached. Yeah, both those teams are good. I'm not set on, you? I'm not set on, a, uh, on a team yet. Um, but, you know, I do. I really want to see Duke be successful. 
It would be cool to see them win. talk all, against them, mainly because they have R.J. Barrett as well. Uh, with him being a Canadian and him being a, a lottery pick, um, I really want to see uh, you know all the Canadians um, doing well, getting drafted, getting paid. Obviously, there's a lot of hype around, been a lot of hype around him, especially here locally. Um, you know, ever since he committed to Duke, so I'm mainly pulling for Duke just because of him. Um, but you know, if I had to choose somebody else, I, I also like. North Carolina as well. I, I really hope we see a North Carolina Duke final. Um, just because it's not the best. They wouldn't that just be fantastic? They had both. They had very close games all year, and I think it would just be a dynamite final. And I think they would just go at it and it'd be the see rubber a match too. Game. It'd be the it rubber be, match. Be, they split. They split, but the one game that Carolina won or North Carolina won was the game that. Um, that Zion broke his shoe or oh, exploded right. his shoe, right? Shoe gate. Yeah, the shoe gate. Yeah, I'd love to see the final. I think it'd be fantastic. Um, and I think they would play lights out basketball. I think they would just go at each other. You see a pretty high-scoring game. And, you know, at that point, if it's if it's both of them in the final, anyone can win. And that's what's going to make it such a great game. Let's. Hold, I think that would be Canada, America, North America's ideal final. Yeah. I think everybody wants to see it. Yeah. So... Getting towards the end of this podcast, we're going to talk about a team that we haven't even discussed yet. We're going to talk about the Toronto Blue Jays. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, let's start with this. We, I, I should say, really started getting into the Blue Jays back in 2015, obviously, when they had that whole run, because let's face it. I mean, when I was in 93, I was born in 1993. I wasn't competent to watch baseball. I didn't really get to experience the Jays winning the world series. I was young or back to back or back to back, which is how crazy is that? A Toronto team won a back to back championship. Yeah. That must've been, that must've been crazy. Must've been electric. Tarps must've been coming off. Tarps, bras, anything, man. I, I saw a few videos on YouTube from back in the day like, when they won. Like and parties? Just, just to see, yeah, the post-game celebrations of fans in the street. And, you know, we obviously experienced 2006 and then seeing With Italy. The Italy winning yeah, the World Cup crazy. as well, which is also nuts. But seeing a, a local team win a, win a championship, which is something we haven't seen aside from maybe TFC, but a big-name team in big-name sport like baseball and, and being the only Canadian team not only to win a championship but to go back to back you know the atmosphere just in Toronto just must have been insane because we're so far removed from that mm-hmm. Toronto sports hasn't been anywhere successful in the past 28 years I'm just going out based off my lifetime and to think that in our in our lifetime, even though we didn't get to experience it, they won back to back World Series in baseball. Some teams don't even make the, the playoffs after winning a World Series. Mm-hmm. We won back to back World Series. Again, we can't appreciate it that much because we weren't really pre- like we weren't really competent to see it and to see the the party that ensued and to really experience it. But going back to my further point. I think as a Jays fan, I really started to feel a sense of that, a sense of pride in the Jays, a sense of loyalty to them, a sense of excitement for them in 2015 when they had the run um, coming first in the AL East. They had Josh Donaldson, Batista, Encarnacion, and they, um, who did they face in the first playoff match? They beat Texas. Texas. They beat the Texas Rangers, and they, they had Batista, the whole bat flip. bat flip. The bat flip. 
That was our Joe Carter moment, right? That yep. was our Joe yeah, Carter that's moment. that's a great way to put that. That was our Joe Carter yep. moment. So... 2015, I started to get really invested in the Jays. You know, you purchased the Jays hat, which everyone started doing. You purchased the Jays hat. We started getting really into it. 2016, or 2015, I should mention, they ended up losing to Kansas City, who was great. Uh, 2016, they uh, come in the wild card or they win the division? Wild card, because if they play a wild card game against um, Baltimore. Against Baltimore. Baltimore won the No. No, no, the Red Sea Red Sox won Red Sox. the division that year. Um. Okay, so 2015, 2016, we start getting really invested in the Blue Jays. How many games did you watch last year? Uh, to be honest, I don't even think I watched a single one. I don't think I watched the full I, game I think year. I might have watched the maybe opening day. Yeah. And that might have been it. Yeah. They, they struggled right out of the gate. And, and this, year might be the, this year might be the same way. What's your expectations for the Blue Jays this year? Um, my expectation for them is there are no expectations. They're clearly in a rebuild. They traded away all their all of their big names, most of their big names, I should say. Um, you know they're clearly restocking for the future and and looking to to just develop. Um, you seen this in the spring training that they they had all their young guys up. They they sent most of them back down clearly, but you know all, all the talk is is on their prospects now. You know, and I clearly feel like with it's actually a perfect time for the Jays to be going through this rebuild because you have the success of the Leafs, you have the success of the Raptors, and you know there's no attention on them. It, the first time in a few years where all the attention is on the other teams, they've caught up to. To, to where the Jays were, you know, a couple of years ago. And, you know, they're at a point right now where they can actually sit back and take time to rebuild because there there is no pressure on them to win. So my, my expectation for them is that there are no expectations. They just need to go out every day, um, continue to develop their young guys, and, you know, just see where it goes. I think, um, I think for me, I, I watch a lot of – no, I wouldn't say a lot. I don't watch the full games, but I pay attention to the most in April – because it's kind of, you just start the season, right? Everyone's on equal playing field. No one's really significantly ahead in the standings just yet. So the Jays are kind of in it, and that keeps me engaged. But I think for me to get really invested in this team, i got to see Vlad Guerrero on this team. Absolutely. And I think until then, that's when I'll get invested into this team again. Until Vladi is on the team, um, I probably won't watch that much. When he's on the team, I'll watch. Um, the best prospect prospect in baseball that intrigues me. They're rebuilding. They're doing it the right way. Houston, look at them, rebuilt the right way. They were so bad for years. Won a World Series, competed last year as well. I think they made the playoffs. Jays are doing it the right way. I can agree with you. I don't have many expectations as well for the Jays. Ross Atkins, I don't think is my favorite general manager, but. Um, it's not because the team's doing poorly. It's because of his treatment of Vladdy Guerrero and yeah. refusing to bring him up and, and, and for, for us to see him. Maybe long-term, this might pan out, but I, I just feel like we need... The Jays fans deserve something. They're paying, those money, they're paying money for tickets. They deserve to see something. Put Vladdy into the opening lineup. Well, they're doing, they're doing what they can to attract fans to the team this year. You've seen that they finally... Um, are five dollar beers? They're starting to drop their concessions. Um, 
you know, they're looking at a $5 beer menu. I think there's also a, a 5 or $6 food menu, too, that you can get at some games, if not all of them. Um, but me go. the only reason why they've done that is because they're not competitive. If you would have seen them, you know, continue to have their star power, you'd still see, you know, them rinsing us for, you know, fifteen twenty dollar beers every game and stuff. It's just the fact that they're not competitive. They're just trying to put asses into the seats. Um, Five dollar beers will put my ass into the seat. Yeah, but if you're going to a game or they're going to get torched fourteen to one. Five dollar beers. Yeah, I would pay to trust me. At the time that point, we're going to see some playoffs. I'd rather stay at home. We'll, we'll dabble in a few Jays games this year, will we not? It, it depends. Into on June, July, nice sunny Saturday afternoon, dome open, five dollar beers. I'm game with that. Yeah, can entice me. I mean, it, and like you said, it depends on the roster. Uh, if if you have a Vladdy Guerrero or a Bo Bichette that might get called up, then you know what I'd be a hundred percent down to play. But if if they're going into a lineup where they're you know twenty games under five hundred and they're just terrible and refusing to um, to bring up some of these young guys to help them develop at a major league level, then you know what I'm not I'm not going to look to support them. I mean I, I only want to go. I'm one of those fans that I you know I want to go and support the team if they're if they're pushing to. Uh, improve or be successful and you know Shapiro and Atkins they they, they damn well know what's going to put put asses into those seats and it's going to be these big name prospects um, that every fan is looking forward to and every fan wants to see and until that happens there I, I know that they're going to continually struggle to have good attendance yeah especially especially with the playoffs coming for the Raptors and the Leafs I think you're going to see horrible attendance in april and you're going to see horrible attendance in may yeah and it's all it's relative to the the playoff schedule for both the other teams get vladi in there you'll get some asses in those seats yeah i don't like the i don't like the way that they've they've handled it so far already and that's my biggest complaint with atkins i don't like the way he's handled he's he's basically talking down to us like we don't know our sports like we don't know our baseball dude the guy's the only good player you have best prospect in baseball and you're saying he's not ready yet like come on man this is all part of like their prospect for control and they had which is yeah that's a big thing it's also again a bullshit reason to hold him back and the fans really see of like how you're sort of treating this prospect and this player who when they did bring him up and he did play last year um in montreal you saw me at a walk-off dinger to win the game, which was incredible. The fings. fans, the fans went nuts yeah, in Montreal, which was a, uh, pretty sure it was a sold out crowd. They yeah, had like fifty thousand, like fifty thousand people there. Um, you know, every game, you know, you'd see, you'd hear about him in in the minors. He's just, you know, comp- clear, clearly he's tearing it up, man. He's, he's these minor league teams. You know, you're not going to know if he's ready until he gets into the lineup, and. If he's a special prospect, as you know, clearly all the scouts are suggesting he but is. But he is the clear number one prospect. He's clearly number one prospect. Your team, you've completely began this rebuild with your team. You have to get these young guys into the lineup right away and get them major league experience. And if you continue to push them down in the minors, they're, you know, you're just you're just hindering the development of your team up here. I think what uh, what Atkins is trying to do. And if, if I'm correct on this, this is what I interpreted from his comments. Um, and, I, and I might be inaccurate with a few of these things, but I understood 
that he obviously you you mentioned control. He wants to be able to control the contract of Vladdy Guerrero. Can only do so if he plays X amount of games. Again, I'm not an expert on this stuff. Um, but I think that Atkins feels like in April, May, and maybe a little bit of June, mostly April, May, the first couple months of the season, there's already enough general interest among Jays fans to go fill the seats of the Rogers Center. Because, like I mentioned, everyone's a little bit on the same playing field. No one's really running away with a division yet. Right? Jays were like, what, 20 and 8 last year to start the year or something like that. They went on that, remember they went on that ridiculous run to start the year last year? And then they just completely fell apart. So I think what Atkins is arguing is that people will be interested in watching the Jays in the first couple months of the season. And from what I understood is he said Vladdy will be brought up in June, July, middle of the season. Because I think at that point, the interest will fade. You bring him in, the interest peaks again. So I can see that it is maybe strategic from a marketing point of view and a filling the seats point of view. But I think for a lot of us, we just want to see him in the lineup first night, opening night Thursday against the uh, Tigers yep. at home. Yep. Thursday, 337. 337. <laughs> first, which, which is, again, these weird. 337. These weird times. So follow us, guys. Follow Purposely Offside. We're on Instagram. Purposely underscore offside. We're on Twitter, PO, at, at PO Sports Talk. Email us at purposelyoffside at gmail.com. Right. We're presenting off Anchor. And we're, we're, we're showcasing our stuff. We're putting our podcasts on Anchor. So subscribe, listen to us. Right. We want some feedback from you guys. How can we get better? How can we improve? What do you guys want to talk about? Send us some topics to talk about. We'll discuss it. We know you like your Leafs. We know you like your Raptors. That's why we kind of focus on them at the beginning of the show. But we'll talk anything. We'll talk anything. What do you got to say, Jordan? I was going to say the next couple of weeks, are, uh, we're going to have some pretty interesting games. Um, very curious to see how the end of the year is going to wrap up for for you know both leagues in the NHL and the NBA. It's going to be incredible to watch. I think the playoffs this year are going to be dynamite for both leagues. Um Hope everybody continues to enjoy March Madness because that's going to heat up within the next few days as uh, you know as they progress. And you know we're going to see how this Blue Jays uh, lineup fares this year and how this team does. I think, uh, like I said, you're going to have no expectations for them. I think they're going to completely fly under the radar. But you know, at the end of the day, all Toronto fans are worrying about the Leafs and the Raptors. So we got enough uh, enough things to worry about heading into next week. Leafs in action Monday, 7 o'clock against the Florida Panthers. You'd think it's a must win. Or not a must win. you think it's a guaranteed win, they but who knows? Win. They need a win. Sorry, not a must win. But maybe a... It should be a guaranteed win. Come on, beat Florida. You're at home. Show us what you got. Wake up, Leafs. You got to wake up. Wednesday at Philadelphia. Always a tough game. And what else we got? Then Saturday... In Ottawa again. Hopefully get some redemption after that stinker of a game they played in Ottawa last week. Like I said, Raptors tonight at 6 against the Charlotte Hornets. We'll be on probably this week. We'll try to get together one night this week to uh, maybe do a midweek podcast. If not, we'll be on sometime next weekend releasing some content for you you guys. Hope you enjoyed the show. 
It was a pleasure, man. We, I think we actually went longer than last week. It's good stuff. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's not bad. It's going to get longer and longer once the playoffs begin, so we enjoy it. added the... We're going to try to add something maybe every week. We added some intro music today. We had our first ever phone call to Alexander Georgiev. Uh, no, Brian Georgievsky, I should say. Sorry, not Alexander Georgiev. All right. First ever purposely offside phone call. Right. Might add a few segments. Stay tuned for those in the future. I got some pretty good ones planned up. All right. Might even do a video cast with our board with our boy. Sorry, DJ Grandoni. Maybe we'll take some guest calls and see uh, yeah. what kind of opinions you might have. Alex actually thought of this great idea. I have to give it to her. Uh, Alex is my wife. Um, a show where we talk to our wives, or a segment where we talk to our wives about potential topics. I think it'd be funny. See how much they potentially don't know. I'm not married, so I'll sit back and uh, you sit, enjoy the talk. Well, sit back. You can you can engage. You can you can, you can join in. I'm very curious talk. to hear. I think that's a good segment we have maybe coming I'm, up in the future. We have a lot of a lot of good ideas here. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say I'm very curious to hear a perspective of a non sports fan or somebody you know no pun intended but sitting on the sidelines watching the uh the trials and tribulations of a <laughs> and the heartbreak of a sports fan here so yeah. I, I really think that'd be an interesting segment i look forward to that we'll see what we, we'll see what this podcast has in store but nothing um nothing is off limits here on purposely offside thanks for joining us guys see ya